Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my boy and producer, Marcus. Without donation. And I said that with a vocal inflection that suggested Marcus was going to be here too, but Marcus, Maxime was going to be here too, but he is not, but rejoining us after way too long, the all powerful moderator behind a Warrior subreddit page with about a half million members, an enormous presence on Golden State Twitter, and a guy whose verbal mantras have helped me cope with the recent shitburger losses, Mr. <laughs> Eric Shit. What's going on, hey, Eric? Thanks for having me back. Nice yeah, to course. see you all. 
uh, Jason, I haven't inter- introduced you yet, but I'll tell you this story. So I took the Orlando loss hard, man. The Phoenix loss hard, like almost like fought with my wife about it for zero reason. And yesterday I reached out to Eric pseudo joking saying, man, I'm not taking this well. You know, what can we do? Any advice to get through it? Here's what he texted back. Quote, repeat these mantras. There's life outside Warriors basketball and quote, I don't even play on the team completely out of my hands. So I've been saying that I'm up to like 200 times. I still feel terrible, but that's, that's what we're dealing with. Your boy's giving me that kind of advice. (laughs) That's all I got, man. (laughs) I've already mentioned your name. Let's introduce you for real. Also rejoining us, the sports director for Cron 4, where he covers all things various sports with passion and polish, a host a 95.7 The Games Airways, a former member of ESPN, a sports anchor with experience in North Dakota, Louisiana, Maryland, and a guy who just posted the definitive interview of Damian Lee, Mr. Jason Dumas. What's going on, Jay? What's up, man? Thanks for having me back. Of course, man. Uh, I appreciate having you. And I'll readmit what I just said. I was just watching that interview with uh, Damian Lee. And you got some gold, man. Uh Although we don't have our master of all things video, I'm going to test my own technological skills. Let me see if this works. So what we've got here is the interview you did with uh, Damien. Let me play you a quick quote from it. That's a nice webpage you got there. <laughs> Thanks. Now, I saw a picture on Instagram or Twitter a couple, probably about six weeks ago. It was a, it was a really cool pic. It was UJTA and uh, Wise at, at Wise's uh, G League game obviously you guys formed that championship brotherhood yeah um you know wise is a young impressionable player and you know i'm sure he probably could use the support uh because what was that moment like and how how often do you keep in touch with with the guys that you know you form these bonds with here in the bay yeah um i mean it was it was it was really just a perfect storm like we flew down we were playing the clippers the next day juan and the Lakers played the night before, then they played the day after us. And then uh, talked to Dave Fitoki, who's the general manager of Santa Cruz, and me and him talk almost every day. And he was like, are you down in L.A.? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, come by to the game. Call Juan. He said he was already on the way, so it was perfect time. And it's great to see those guys. Like, me and Juan been going at it for the past three years. Like, that's my brother. Same thing with Wise. That's my brother. And we actually have a group chat from the team that when we won the championship we were just texting in that yesterday like the day before you know what i'm saying we coming down to playing but guys in there texting in the group chat talking it up so i think the the run helped us like obviously you know the brotherhood the memories the years that you're always going to have but i think the run and the ring winning it all helps solidify that because now we have not only a season in april we got six eight more weeks of memories growth blood, sweat, and tears that we fought together to, you know, reach the common goal. So there's a bunch of portions of that that stuck out. One, I wanted to impress you guys with my ability to screen share, which I almost fucked again. Yeah, thanks, man. I, you know, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, and I have some follow-up questions about what we just heard, but let me start here, Jason. You were very comfortable in that interview. And one of the things I never know what to do when I'm on camera talking to somebody else is what the hell to do with my hands, dude. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea that you went crossed arms and were able to keep that comfort, uh, this immediate respect, nicely played, you know, um, and the follow-up. So the group chat stuff has made the rounds. I, I ran into that on Reddit. I saw it on Twitter. It's a quote that's kind of gone viral. Were you surprised to hear that D. Lee is still communicating with the team? Did you get any details on that? Expand on that for us. 
No, I wasn't surprised, honestly. I was around that group, especially last year from about April through June. I was around that group of players, you know, about 15 guys, like, every single day. Um, and they were close. I mean, you know, you can't fake you can't fake closeness. Like, maybe you can fake it for, like, a week or two, make, you know, like, say, like, Jordan Poole and um, Draymond, uh, they were told, like, hey – you know, just act normal for the cameras, make everything look peaches and cream. Maybe we could believe it for like a week or two, but then after a while you'd be like, no, they really don't like each other. We can tell. (laughs) Uh, And that's not the case for them, but I just using that as an example, like you could tell this group genuinely liked each other. Everybody, they went out to get to dinner a lot on road trips. They would go out on night offs. Like they would hang out together. I mean, obviously there was somewhat of an age gap. You wouldn't have like, Kaminga and Steph hanging out every night at the club, just different. But like in terms of just genuinely liking each other, they did. So I wasn't surprised at all about that. Like, like guys like D Lee, JTA, GP2, Draymond, Poole, like those are guys that are going to be like friends when like the basketball stuff is over. You could tell. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was just a perfect storm. It helps when you your brother-in-law is on the team too, so you have the whole f- family aspect. So it was a really, really uh, unique group of guys, and I think that camaraderie is what helped them be successful as well. Is it weird that – so I've seen that a couple of times. I saw it before the Phoenix game when you first recorded it, and then obviously I just saw it right now. First time I saw it, it's like, oh, good to have Damian Lee back in my life. And, you know, look how well Jason's doing. I mean, I was happy. It was a positive interview. When I watched it right now, my first thought was, fuck Damian Lee. He just torched us to, like, what a <laughs> terrible experience. Is, is that an okay thing to feel? Is that me being a little crazy? What do you guys yeah, think? You're, you're, you know, fandom isn't always based off rational logic. That's, what they, <laughs> that's why they're called fanatics. So it's... I wouldn't call it illogical. It's just, just, just what comes with being a fan. And when people say stuff like that, like it's always relative. You wouldn't be, you're not like fuck Damian Lee, that human being. You're like, fuck, fuck him as a basketball player. He kicked our ass a couple of nights ago. Thank you know God I mean? you said that instead of asked me. If you had been like, are you saying fuck you as a human? Who knows where that question would have gone? Uh, Marcus, I know the answer to this, but give me a sense of your personality type. All right. So you're on an amazingly successful team. They win a championship. You guys are close. You're on a group text, you know, you're going back and forth, all these things. Then the off season, no longer a part of it. You had the, for whatever reason doesn't happen. Now you're part of this year and you're on the outside looking in. Could you still participate in the group chat? Because I mean, I'd be kind of bitter. I'd feel like they turned their back on me, you know, like, fuck, where were you guys when I wasn't re-signed by Bobby Meyer? So how would you uh, experience that? I would be bitter unless I was shooting the ball as well as Damian Lee is. So the fact that he's second in the league and shooting 47% from three-pointer, you know, like that would make things a lot easier. I, I feel like Otto Porter Jr., you know, he's out for the season injured. Uh, GP2 just got back on the court. So if I was one of those two guys, I probably would have, you would have seen that Marcus Taylor's left the group chat um, <laughs> on that. But, you know, if I'm Damian, you know, the way I'm playing and shooting the ball, it, it's I'm staying in the chat. I'm probably very active and talking a lot in it. I would have fired off a couple of very obvious lies. I'm having the time of my life in Phoenix. I don't miss it there at all. And then it's you've seen Bram leave the group chat. Uh, all right, boys. We've got a lot of work ahead of us, and I'm really fired up for it. So what we're going to be doing is a midseason review. I want your guys' opinions. I want your takes. I want to look back. But before we get there, I want to cover, um, let's call it a random topic. 
So the question ultimately is this, what's the craziest thing you have heard our fan base say over the last year or so? And in a lot of ways, it's aimed at you, Eric. I know that you moderate the Warriors separated page, so you must, I don't know, read 10,000 Warriors takes a day. But my experience in this has been as the Warriors success has gone up, at least in a certain portion of the fan base, their neurosis and their focus on failure has gone up. You know, we lose a couple of games and everybody is freaking out. Fire Kerr, the whole nine yards. So before we get into the season review, think back. What's the craziest thing you guys have either read or heard a Warriors fan say? And to give you time to think, I'll go first. We got an email literally right after the Phoenix loss that said this, quote, since it's obviously clear the Warriors can win without Steph Curry and are shittier with him, who do you think they should trade him for? So on the off chance that that dude is like listening or has some way of, of hearing the words I'm dropping, if I had a fucking time machine and could trade for prime Jordan, I would not trade Steph. What Ooh. are you talking about? Let's settle down. But so, you know, we've got some craziest on our side. Uh, Jason, I'm sure that you see a bunch of Warrior fans in your life, man. What's the craziest shit you've heard? I've seen a lot of dumb stuff. Uh, just, uh, just not too long ago, I, I saw it, it was in my mentions. I'll, I had uploaded a video of Steph Curry and um, and Ty Jerome, um, Ty Jerome on on uh, on uh, at practice shooting around, and there was just like one of the first comments under the Ty Jerome video of him like knocking down jumpers was like. Uh, Ty Jerome is what makes Jordan Poole tradable. <laughs> and I, I, I've loved watching Ty Jerome play since he was uh, since he was like a freshman at UVA. I've, I, I, I've watched Ty for a while. I've always been very familiar with his game, but like the kid a lot. But there's nothing about him that makes Jordan Poole uh, tradable. You know, Jordan Poole's tradable is not because of Ty, Ty Jerome. <laughs> no, you don't think so? It's not the two-way player? Any truth no. to the rumor that that was Ty Jerome's mom who left that pack? <laughs> I, 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 I have no idea. But I, bro, I, I get so much dumb stuff. It's just like, but that that's the most recent one. The, Ty Jerome has made Jordan Poole tradable. I should admit to you guys, and this should have been the first part of the story, but that email we got was actually from Marcus. So, I, Marcus, I don't know why you want to trade staff, dude, but you need to calm down. Uh Felt right at the time. It felt right at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did lose to Phoenix, you know, so it could be, in fact, Curry's fault. Um, Eric, so, I mean, just just give us what you're thinking. You don't have to pick the craziest thing, but as I ask you that question, what pops up, you know, in your mind? What things have you seen over the last couple of years that just surprise you? I mean, it's it's any iteration of trading Clay Thompson this season. Uh, I mean, when he was slumping and down and just not on his A game, uh, you were seeing it every single day. Like one of the three of the core is going to have to go. We've got to get Clay out of here, aging superstar. And, you know, he saw it too, right? Like he came out and made a statement about it saying that like, it's easy to let, you know, Twitter or social media get in your head, take the joy from you. But he was like, you know, all these people with their Twitter fingers, like none of them are playing at the top level. <laughs> like, so none of them really understand what he's capable of or, to the same degree that he believes in himself. So it, it's just got to be some version of ditch Clay Thompson while he's slumping, disrespecting everything that he's done for the organization or what he's shown that he still has, that he's still giving to the organization. Um, that's probably it. My runner up was uh, not from 
a Warriors fan, although he might be a Warriors fan, but it was John Morant saying there's no one to worry about in the West <laughs> and then getting <laughs> properly smoked by the Warriors on Christmas Day. Down, We're not going to worry about the Suns. We're not going to talk about what just happened, but that was like a bogus take and uh, he got egg on his face and it was delicious. I love that. And one of the things that the Phoenix loss and the Orlando loss and the Detroit loss took away from us, it really frustrates me, is because the way I've retreated is I've gotten into a war with Phoenix fans, which I'm going to share with you guys in a minute. But I've I keep saying that. things like regular season games mean nothing. Who gives a shit? Whereas the, like, the Boston and the Memphis win meant the world to me. So it's, yes. it's kind of hard to put those two things together. You know, uh, MT, that leaves you. Any conversations or crazy shit you've heard? I mean, I, I'm with Eric. I, anything around Clay Thompson <clears throat> getting traded was stood out to me. You know, the chatter was especially loud recently. And then he goes on a stretch where he scores the most points in a three game stretch he has throughout his entire career. So that stands out um, to add a little something different. I think the talk about James Wiseman, um, we've constantly defended him and i think a lot of people are scared to say that it was the wrong choice and that he may be a bust for our system um but i think that is ultimately what where we're going to land so um i think the <clears throat> diehards of defending that just because we want to show that we didn't mess that number two pickup yeah. is um is is on there. It's a bit of a twist on that answer, but I, I think it's one that I, I think it's irrational and it, it makes me a little upset because it's okay to admit that we didn't get everything right. I got a, I got a comment about that. Let's go. Um, Here, hold, I want to hear it. Jason, are you half expecting Eric to reach across the zoom screen here and punch fucking Marcus in the face because he knows not at all. Not at all. So let's see where it goes. All right, Eric, I'm sorry to interrupt. Here it is. Uh, the people talking about James Wiseman being a bust are correct. They're 100% correct. And let me preface that by saying that how could you not say that your number two overall pick, <laughs> given what he has given you thus far, no one would be happy with that. He's not happy with it. You know, no one is. So the fact that they've been able to thread this needle and win a fucking championship despite him not playing at all is insane. It's like a, you know, it's a luxury that we shouldn't have had. And it's, it's kind of two-sided, right? Like up to this point, like he's a bust, like he's provided almost nothing, but it could still come together and he could contribute something super meaningful to winning another title or making a deep run or something like that. So like, I don't think it's wild at all for people to say like, Oh no, yeah. Why is it a bust? Like that's kind of different than going back in time and reevaluating the draft. Um, but that's an interesting point too. Cause if you can go back in time and, and ditch Wiseman, and pick up like Lamelo is the name that always shows up. Do you do that? Because if you do, do they win last year? It's a butterfly effect, weird question, right? Like you want to, you want a fucking title. Like you don't change anything. Like you don't change your socks. Like nothing. Like you just keep it exactly like it is. You win that title. So and that's kind of that's my take. Why the hell do we need Lamelo? We have Ty Jerome who makes everybody on the team exactly tradable. <laughs> I should also warn you that I'm going to go back. I'm going to pull like a past uh, appearance from you. And I'm going to do that thing you see on like other radio shows where you use some other statement to pull words out. And I'm just going to pull the words, fuck you, Marcus. And I'm going to change the entire answer <laughs> and just insert a fuck you, Marcus here. So no one's going to get to hear this, but it will be gold. Gentlemen, let's jump in. 
So this is where we would go to the glass half full, but I'm expanding it as I already told you. So normally we just look back at recent hoop, give me something you like, something you don't, not this time. The Warriors have played 41 games. We are halfway through the year. A lot of people look to the all-star break as the halfway point. Not true. We are already there. So we're going to be looking back at the full season so far, and I'm going to guide your opinions with questions. Here's the first. Um, Eric, keep the mic. What player has impressed you so far? So looking at the first 41 games, what guy has done better than you thought or is just bald in a way that deserves some credit? Uh, I mean, it's got to be either of the two-way players, right? Like um, Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb, both. Like they've given you so much more. Like they're they're like heavily in the rotation. And you look back to last year when we had uh, Quindary Weatherspoon, who more often than not was not even present in San Francisco. Chris Chioza, who was there every damn day, <laughs> to the chagrin of the fan base. Like, you know, it's it's just uh, it's day and night, the utilization and the value that they found out of those two-way players. Yeah. So, I mean, there's other guys on the squad that desert, would be deservedly uh, mentioned here. But those two guys, uh, I've been uploading on Twitter. You may have seen it. There's a user on Reddit named Leva Press that updates every week, like a tier list of what you expected versus your um like the actual performance that these players have been giving and he's sliding these players up and down between different tier lists and everyone's mad that the two two-way guys are like up towards the top every time it's like well what what the fuck did you expect from a couple <laughs> of g league guys playing nba minutes like they're low-key cooking like how are they not getting picked like i contractually they can't be picked up by other teams because they're on a two-way contract but like these guys are playing meaningful nba minutes and is like excelling while doing it. So that's you, you say that as if I haven't looked forward to that tier list every week when he posts it. It's, <laughs> it's such great. an interesting thing, dude. Like re- re- repetition, right? First time I saw it, it meant mm-hmm. nothing. Now that I've seen it like ten times, I consider that an authority, and I'm, I would like to see them for sure further uh, further up that list. Jason, same question, man. Someone who stuck out, uh, either a performance that you just didn't expect, or someone's just been playing real well. Uh, you know what. I'm just going to go with Draymond Green just uh, because of the fact that his body seemed to be breaking down towards the end of last season. He was he was basically playing on a bum back. And, you know, when you have that back injury, it affects everything you do. And I wondered going into the offseason, I wondered, are we going to start seeing the downward decline of Draymond physically? Yep. Um, just the wear and tear over the years. And he didn't have the greatest, he had a great playoffs up until the finals and he didn't have a really good NBA finals. Mm -hmm. He made some clutch, he had some clutch moments into the last two games to help them win. But overall, I think we all see he struggled with that matchup. So it was the last thing I saw and I knew he was ailing. Uh, He was, he was more hurt than he let on most of the postseason. I know that for a fact. Uh, so I wonder, I was like, damn, is Draymond's body breaking down? And to see him carry the weight uh, with so many guys in and out of the lineup, uh, I think he's been really impressive. His defensive acumen is still top 1% of basketball. Um, I would still like to see him knock down a three here and there a little more and be more willing to take some jump shots because uh, I think he can uh, make the defense pay a little bit for how they can sag off at mm-hmm. times. But just everything he does offensively and defensively, there's not really one particular game that sticks out. Just the consistency and the motor he's played with uh, at this juncture of the season uh, has been very impressive. And 
Without Draymond, I think they are screwed. If Draymond hasn't played like Draymond-type basketball the first half of the season, I think the Warriors would be in an even bigger hole than they are in right now. And even right now, they're only, what are they, like six games out of first place? It's, yep. it's all bunched together. So I think Draymond has really been the guy who has really impressed me so far through the first half. I love that. I'll put a cherry on top of it. So everything you just said about what he's doing on the court, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think he's a fucking all-star conversation for a, a different day, but I will add credit to off the floor. Draymond has done something that I didn't know he was capable of over the last few months. He's read the room, you know? Yeah. So after the Jordan pool thing, immediately, the first thing that we saw was him in a green suit and that TNT documentary, you know, which wasn't the best of things. We didn't, we, we didn't need him to be that loud, but since then, up until what, about a week ago when the podcast came back out, he recognized, no, my play needs to be talking, not me. And that decision and how he's negotiated this to the point now where we're, again, talking about how great he is, how he's the heartbeat of the team again, is credit to him. You know, he he figured out how to get through this. And that's not something a lot of people would have given him credit for. He's great at a lot of things, but reading the room isn't necessarily one of them. Um, so I like it. Uh, MT. Take us to the other side of the coin, all right? So not someone who impressed you the other way. is. Has there been a player who's disappointed you so far or hasn't really been stepping up? And you've already given us Wiseman. Um, so, I mean, you can you can double down if you want, but if, if there's somebody else, let's hear it. Um, probably Jermichael Green. <clears throat> um, you know, he went when we first signed him, he, he was supposed to fill that kind of dog role, <laughs> that person who had brought a little edge like Draymond and, you know, gave us a good 10, 10, 15 minutes of just all out hustle, grit, some, you know, toughness underneath um, and can hit the three. And he just hasn't played that well. I realize he's been hurt and had a weird leg infection and, you know, hasn't really had a chance to <clears throat> get into the flow of a rotation, but um, it's been a little disappointing from what we had hoped he would be as a role player, kind of filling in for Otto Porter a little bit um, and taking that role. Um, he's, he's fell pretty short of, of that. It's a guy out of my list, you know, uh, and I mean, he's hurt now. And so maybe let me put this a different way. Uh, DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo wasn't super impressive until he got an opportunity with Wiggins being hurt. Then he got enough time to learn the system, and now he's a contributor. Maybe it's as simple as that for Jermichael, you know, that he just doesn't have enough time to really work his way in. But what we have seen has not blown my socks off. So that's actually my answer, too. Um, so much so that I was bitter that you said it. I kind of wish that I'd gone first so that <laughs> I had that one. Uh, let's work our way backwards. Jason, to you. Disappointment. Who do you got? Yeah, you know, I'll just my, my answer is Jermichael Green, but I, I guess just to be different uh, and give, you know, some variety to the show, uh, I'll say Moses Moody, but I don't entirely think it's his fault. Yeah, um, I think he's a product of he, he it's, it's a roster construction. Yep. You know, I, I really like Moody when he's on the court, court with certain people. But I think the fact that Draymond really has to anchor that had to anchor that second unit for so long this year. It kind of affected Moody because I just don't like the fit there. Um, but, yeah, you know, I wanted to see Moses take that next step. And like I said, I don't think it's all him. But at this point, I think he's kind of in his own head now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 
he he works hard and <clears throat> it'll click for him. Who knows if it'll click for him here because he's super talented. But the production just hasn't really been there for Moses. And coming into the year, I was way more sure about Moses than I was uh, Y'all were. Yeah. In, 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 in just in terms of not raw talent, but more in terms of just I know what Moses is going to give this roster. And now I have no idea what he's going to give this roster on day in, day out. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? When he gets in, is he going to make an impact? It's just been tough for him. And it's unfortunate because I don't think it's all because of him. I think he's been a casualty in the roster construction and some of how Steve's rotations have gone. I don't think Steve has done him any favors. Yeah, I, I think Steve would tell you that. He recently said that, you know, the two-way guys that Jerome and uh, and Lamb have played their way into the rotation at Moody's expense. But to follow up with the chores saying, I think if you'd ask anybody, anybody during the offseason, what everyone would have said is, look, Kaminga's ceiling is higher, but uh, Moody's floor is higher. We can count on, you know, certain things he's doing. That hasn't been true. You know, there is no floor right now. He's He's not out on it at all, so we can't see it. Uh, Eric, if you want, I'll give you the same question or we can move on to more optimistic grounds. Is there somebody who's burning through you? Someone who's really disappointed you? Oh, you're on mute. I can't hear you. Uh, I was going to say it's the same. It's the same two names that you guys have, uh, have come up with. Moody would have been my backup answer as well. Yeah. Jermichael feels like the low hanging fruit. He just hasn't done much of anything. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's hard. And with Moody, you see, uh, he's not seeing the floor, and when he does, it's not particularly high productivity, or the plus minuses just aren't there. No. Is uh, is he someone that we would potentially see get moved at the trade deadline? Um, that's why that's why I mentioned, you know, it might not be for the Warriors because I'm of the belief that the Warriors are going to make a move. Hey, boom! And here, let's make, make this the next question, Jason. Pause yeah. just for a second. Oh, Our yeah. next question is: Will should the Warriors make a trade, and will they make a trade, Jason? What do you think? I think they should, and I think they will. And what I was going to say is: to get players, you got to give up players. You know, mm-hmm. so you know, you see all these mock trades from the fan, and it's like, dude, did you ask yourself why the other team would do that before you threw <laughs> that out? So you just no, 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 no. <laughs> So, like, you're going to have to give up guys. And, like, Moses Moody is a guy, you know. Like, he hasn't been super productive for the Warriors. But any basketball guy, any evaluator of talent, league scout, a team scout, they know who Moses Moody is. They oh, have, yeah. He was a junior in high school. He is very talented. You can really – you can make something out of him. Uh, and these scouts also know and coaches and front offices know. Sometimes you're just a product of your opportunity. And Moses hasn't gotten the greatest opportunity, the greatest mm-hmm. shape here in his young career. If there's a, a maybe a bottoming out team or a team that just kind of wants to acquire prospects and get Wemby and you know, or get a get scoop and in the meantime evaluate some prospects, maybe Moses goes to a team like that. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, second half of the year, Moses is averaging 17 and a half points per game on sure. and three-point shooting. I, that, would that surprise yeah. any of you? No. He would He would do that on a few teams. Exactly. Um, so that's a, that's a nice little pros, prospect you could put in a trade to help maybe get you a veteran who can help you win now. One of those absolutely things or a stretch, stretch big, something like that. And I think the fact that he hasn't seen a ton of minutes actually plays to the trade value yeah. favor. Like – 
Because we talk about James Wiseman as a trade piece, and it's like we've seen enough of him that people express reservations about right. his he's There's still some allure there based on his physical traits and little flashes we see here and there. But Moses, I don't think, gets a hit in that way. And I, I think back to last year watching uh, Moses come down to Santa Cruz and play. This is a guy that's not seeing an NBA floor right now that was like grabbing 30 to 40 points a game with ease. Like, this is just levels to it. And Moses is a hooper for sure. I don't know how he got on Steve's bad list or whatever it is, you know. I mean, not to make it sound like he doesn't like him as a person. Uh, like you said, there's disliking someone as a person and disliking someone as a basketball player. <laughs> Seems like Steve doesn't like him as a basketball player very much right now. It's just my read. I forgot to say <laughs> earlier that I really you like him. Lamb better, clearly. Yeah, for sure. The minutes are proof. And I really like Damian Lee as a person. I'm not sure if I told you boys that earlier, but I, I definitely should have. Um, I hate talking about other podcasts, but this seems like a good time to drop a plug to another podcast. I was listening to Plus Minus earlier today. And what they dropped in there was that there's been two times, I think it was Kawakon, I don't remember who said it, but there's two times when whoever it was who said it, who's seen the full front office leadership team meeting in front of the press. First time, they lost game seven against Cleveland. And when the press went into the locker room, everyone was together. Lake, Myers, Kurt, and they're all there talking. And it's because they're worried enough where it doesn't matter if you see us, we got to make changes. Second time after that fucking Phoenix loss, you know? And so what that screams, it doesn't, you know, I don't, I don't need to read Lakeup's diary to know this, but he's not paying the world's highest payroll for any team in the history of the NBA to be fucking around around 500. Like that, that's not who he is about. That's not what this is going to be. And if they keep doing this stuff, of course they're going to make a move. You know, these, I don't think he's patient. That's a good thing in my mind. Uh, what do you think, NT? You think a move's coming? I do. Um, I just don't know for who. Uh, I was, I was all in on the Miles Turner. Um, train and thought that was going to happen. Indiana's playing well enough that they may not blow it up now. Um, and, you know, Halliburton just got hurt. So that gives them a kind of reprieve from having to blow it up and saying, oh, well, once we're healthy, you know, we'll run it back and, you know, we'll be above 500 again. So, um, you know, names that are getting tossed out there, Jacob Pertle from the Spurs, Caruso from the Bulls, um, you know, so I just don't, I don't know who else is out there that's a legitimate difference maker. We we need size. A, a stretch four or five would be ideal. Um, so I, I don't know who it would be, but I think we have to do something. Um, and I think Moses and Wiseman and the draft pick will be what we consider packaging together to to get the best that we can. And it really depends on what tier player we're talking about. You know, if it's like a Caruso or somebody like that, then we can get away with a draft pick and somebody like Moses or JK. If it's somebody higher than that, like if we want a real player coming back, then you need to send out real salary. And that's a much harder conversation. And now you're talking pool or I mean, any of the stars who were previously mentioned. I won't say Clay's name again because I'll get shithoused. Hey, but, you hey. know, that's that's yeah. I'll, I'll just <laughs> save that for my Reddit takes, Eric. You can pick that right, up, right. you know, at any about the thing about Poole, I think until his contract kicks in, you can't. He, he's a really bad trade because I don't know. I'm this is not my wheelhouse, but it was something I read over the summer. If he gets traded before that next contract kicks in, whoever trades for him will get hit with a big tax that they have to pay. It's like a poison pill. So it really makes Poole's trade value right now. 
that. Yep. It makes sense to me. Um, and, and let me ask it this way. So I'm going to transition this out. Okay. And I'm, I'm ditching my outline here, but one of the things I was going to do with you boys is give you a name. Have you give me a grade for their play so far this season? And I was going to work my way up to pool because he's kind of the most controversial, you know, like it, it's, it's going to be hard, but let's just use it right now. Jason, keep the mic. Looking back through 41 games, he's got a big contract in tow. He's dealt with a whole bunch of bullshit off the floor. You know, how would you grade Jordan Poole so far? Uh, C plus. Why? Um, I think, well, he's just, first of all, he's moving too fast. Like he's doing too much. <laughs> I don't know. Ty Jerome had a beautiful quote uh, on, I know you don't like talking about other people's podcasts, but he had a beautiful quote on point forward where he said, essentially, I watched Steph Curry play and I quickly told myself, don't try to recreate what he does. Mm -hmm. Take bits and pieces there and just appreciate what Steph does. Sometimes I feel like Jordan is trying to recreate what Steph does and just the poetry and motion and the fluidity and the beautifulness. Like, like we're taught as we're taught pretty young. Like I'm talking probably like high school, junior high, high school. Make your move and go. Yep. Get to the rim. Yep. Be efficient with your dribbles. Jordan, like, wants to use every move in his package. Like, every time he has the ball, he's moving a mile a minute. Right. He's slipping. He's falling. And we know he's as t- – we know we know we have – you. we know you have that in your bag, Jordan. But you just had an opportunity to blow by that guy, and you did another rip move and behind your back three <laughs> more times. For no reason. You just made it way, you made it so much harder for yourself. It's like he's doing too much and that's affecting his game. I think Draymond Green, I think he was protecting Jordan when he told us that most of Jordan's turnovers aren't hurting the team. That's just objectively not true. We all <laughs> we, we all have eyes. Now, it might not be to the point that some people make it. He was right. A lot of his balls are dead ball turnovers. It's not they're not going the other way for easy dunks. But like you can't have end of possession tight game possessions where you don't get a shot off because you're doing too much. That kills the team. It just does. Like you we there was no shot attempt right there. In fact, it was a turnover because it went out of bounds because you didn't make up your mind. You were so indecisive in what you actually wanted to do with it. And I don't know, I just, I think we'll get through it. One thing that I always say is when you combine talent, which he has all the talent in the world with work ethic, those people always figure it out. Yeah. And he's not even playing terribly in my mind, but like there's a bar for him now. And he hasn't really reached that bar because of the all, but it's easily fixable stuff. That's why I'm, I give him a C plus and like a C plus just kind of means like you're mediocre based on expectations, you could be better, you could be worse, but you'll get through it. So I think everything Jordan is doing is fixable, but I think he does have to pick it up. And when that next contract comes in, he's really going to have to pick it up because people are going to judge him on what he's being paid. It makes me feel like Draymond wasn't in Utah. If he thinks that Jordan Poole's turnovers haven't cost us any wins, I'm pretty sure that one led to a specific fucking Like loss. I said, Draymond doesn't believe what he said. <laughs> no, like, which, yeah. which you almost like. I Just like lip he service. That. You know, he's, he's supporting his team. Um, Eric, I'm going to throw this to you next, but let me agree with Jason first because it's the way you phrased it. All right, so what I was going to say is I can't really blame him for the turnovers because he's learning how to play. And the same way I can't blame my kid for tripping when she was learning how to walk, you know, I can't blame him for turning over as learning how to play. But, but if my kid tried to sprint before she knew how to walk, 
and she fell five or six times. Well, the hubris, the decision-making, I can, you know, give some criticism of that. And that's what Jordan's been doing. He can make mistakes, but he's, you know, the, the decisions he is making while making those mistakes, you can take some shots at that. And the way you phrased it, I think is on the money. Here, take us next. So I'm going to give you another name, but before we do what we've just said about pool, you agree? Yeah, I remember back to um, an early episode of Point Forward where Andre was talking to Evan Turner and he was talking about a young Jordan Poole. He's like, this guy is so shifty and so fast. He beats his man and then he like hesitates and then beats him again and beats him again. He's like, the hardest thing to do in this league is to break a defender, to beat a defender to the rim. And this man's like ignoring the fact that he's done it and he's doing it like three times in a single possession. Like, why, why are you doing that? So, you know, I think it's, it's going to so take, <laughs> well, gonna and, take and more time. Eric, I'm glad you said that. I forgot to say this podcast is brought to you by all the other Warriors podcasts. Make yes. sure you get out there and only listen to those. You motherfuckers. All right, go ahead. What, what would you grade them? Uh, pool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's above average. Um, you know, it's those, it's like Jay said, like those few glaring late game turnovers are so painful, man. You got to take care of the fucking basketball. Um, I'm going to give him, I think a C plus is totally fair. Yeah. I'll, I'll write that. How about Kerr? Kerr? Loaded question. Uh, I'm springing it on you, left field. You're, you're our first. You'll, you'll notice that I'm trying not to answer these until you guys yeah, have. You know, for and sure. it's because I'm not sure. I really don't know what to say. So you're going to influence my opinion. How would you grade Steve Kerr's coaching so far? You know, I'm going to give him I'm going to give him a B plus truthfully. I think that you've got to look at the roster that he has and some things that are out of his control, injuries, uh mental dynamic early in the season, the Draymond on the pool incident. But he's got these two two-way players playing meaningful minutes. They've scraped up some piece together wins. You've seen you know, we always talk about it's a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. And we've seen them make a like how doom and gloom were we? two months ago, like when things weren't going and now he's like, Hey, it's starting to click. It's starting to come together. Um, you know, this is such a young roster and that's out of his hands. Like he's not the GM. If he does have more influence on that, then I realize that maybe I should rate him a lot lower, but I, if I'm taking him just on his, his coaching ability and what he's getting out of these players with Steph out um, with clay and his minute management, all these, you know, we got guys that are kind of, unplayable like you've had pbj pbj ryan rollins down in santa cruz um you know you've had injuries to michael green hurt uh divincenzo is out for an extended period of time wiggins was out for an extended period of time this guy's still putting it together and they're playing competitive basketball so you know what did i say a b minus is that what i said b plus i think b plus i'll give him i'll give him a b he's above average um in my opinion you'd asked me this question three games ago I would have told you at least a B plus, at least, you know, I was on board. He kept this, he kept the whole thing together as everybody's hurt. And we're still winning games. Now that I've heard him use the phrase wake up call again and again and yeah. again. And he, you know, of, of all the things he's always been phenomenal at bringing the team together and making sure the effort was there seems to be at the top of that list. The fucking effort has not been there at least in the last few games. So the man's been pressing snooze. Oh, yes, okay. It's been it's been upsetting me, but that's just the other side to that coin. Marcus, you've heard them both. What's your grade? Um, I give Jordan Poole a B. I think our expectations of him, um, he's playing at 
a lower level, but if you just look at how he's playing, he's he's the second odds on favorite to win six man of the year still like right now. So um, only Russell Westbrook's ahead of him. So I think he's playing well enough, but in terms of what we expected and hoped from him, especially with the new contract that he's playing below a B level, but just looking at it outside in, he's a B and Kerr the same thing. Um, it's, it's tough to juggle all of that. Like, like Eric said, with injuries and, you know, new faces in, and then you also have Clay not playing back-to-backs. And, you know, there's this, it's hard to get a good rhythm going. Um, so I, I think he's done a good job. It's, he admitted fault for not having the team ready to play against a Phoenix team that was depleted. Um, those are always, you know, like, you know, like catch games for, for you know, teams, but, um, you know, it's, Graham started twitching over there when you mentioned yeah. the loss to Phoenix. I, I started twitching because I asked this fucker about Kerr and we went back to Jordan Poole. I desperately tried to, to box him into this little area and this little didn't like hesitate for a second. Oh, Poole, he said. I didn't ask you about Poole, you bastard. We'd already moved on from Poole. B. Yeah. Why don't you tell me what crazy things Warrior fans have told you? We're not going backwards. We're supposed to be going forwards here. What's your grade for Kerr? <laughs> crazy Warriors fans told me Steve Kerr gets aged. <laughs> uh, I give him a B, a solid B. Um, team as a whole, boys. You know I mean, just looking at the whole thing all together, they're one game under 500. You know, there's excuses either side. What do you think? What what grade would you give the effort so far? Any of you take it? What, would anybody wants to take this one first? Go ahead and take it. Let's see. Just, uh, just C to me, I know we all might interpret the letter grades differently, but C to me is just completely representative of mediocrity. They've been mediocre. Yep. Uh, yeah. doesn't, doesn't matter why or how, just the end product after first half of the season, mm-hmm. they be, they're, they're mediocre. Like a C is like, I get a C in class and my teacher's like, you know, you can do better. Yep. Work That's a little right. harder, buckle down. You'll finish the season with like a B plus. You know, and I and I know I can, and I will, and that's how I feel like the Warriors are. They're like, yeah, they know they can do better. They will do better when it's winning time. Things will fall into place. There might be a little roster construction, but when it gets down to it, everybody is going to know their job. Everyone's going to tighten up, and things will look better. But right now, they're still in the hunt. They've been mailing it in every other game. They've had some bad luck. The overall, see. Marcus, what do you think about Jordan Poole? Jokes. Uh, <laughs> I was going to do something cute. I was going to tell you guys incomplete. And then I thought like, if I, you know, I got grades like midway through a, through a semester. And I went to the teacher and said, look, I know, I know I just haven't been trying. We haven't gotten there yet. She wouldn't be like, okay, incomplete. Let's wait till the end of the year. She'd be like, fuck you. You've done nothing. You know, you're, you're going to, I'm going to give them to grade you as it is. And grading as it is, I think that's on the money. I give it a C too. Uh, anybody higher or lower? Yeah, it's a 500 team, right? I think that's, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, I'm on the C too, and I think we're we're lucky that the West is so jumbled right now. That's kind of hiding how poorly we've been playing and how mediocre mm-hmm. we have been. To Jay's point, so the fact that the West is just jumbled and there's you know Denver and Memphis are trying to pull away, but they haven't pulled away that far yet is is masking some of of how mediocre we've been and it's mm-hmm. we're lucky that this season has been the one that we're doing it in there uh best and worst moments of the season for you guys 
Uh, Eric, why don't you take us first? What sticks out as the best? What sticks out as the lowest? Um, the best was that loony buzzer beater and double yeah. OT tip in. <laughs> like I was there at the game live. I think I saw Jay in the in the atrium. It was unreal, unbelievable moment, man. Di Vincenzo with the three to tie it up, uh, like right at the at the tail end there, and then into double OT. It was unreal. Like that was for sure my high. And, you know, I've talked about this on the show. You see me tweet about it on Twitter. I've been going to Dubs games my whole life, and I've never seen them lose live, just by chance. Like, I went to a lot of stinkers, a lot of Kings games, off-marquee games. A few years, I didn't go at all. And I felt like I was like, we were going into a game, like, no Steph, no Wiggins. I'm like, this is fucking brutal. <laughs> like, this is very likely going to end tonight. And so for me personally, I know it was an exciting game for everyone. I felt like for me it was even more exciting. I felt like I had more legacy riding on the line and uh my, my boy kavan looney whose jersey i was wearing as the game came through and uh i hugged a bunch of strangers in the stands and people were giving high fives and grabbing my jersey and looney looney is it was a really cool moment uh that was my highlight my highlight of the season so far lowest low uh steph getting hurt all right it's um that's it like when he went down <laughs> all of us collectively were like okay we're screwed like, we've been limping along and now we're now we're really screwed we were losing every road game like now we're going to start dropping home games and it, that didn't happen thankfully but in that moment in the isolated moment that was it jason and marcus i'll share i mean you guys already know that eric is a very generous and very nice man and he had extra tickets he couldn't go to a game hey. and he offered them to my wife and i and we went and i'm there and i'm enjoying it and while we're there he texts me saying just so you know I've never lost. Like anytime I go, we've never lost. And the pressure's on you. I took that shit hella hard. I, like I showed it to my wife. I was sweating. I felt like I was playing, dude. Like you're responsible. An, an immense amount of pressure on that game. Jason, highest and lowest point of the season. Yo, was that Looney buzzer beater the same game Clay hit 54? Yes. Yeah, same game. So uh, that's that's also my high. Uh, yeah. That was more just for Clay. Um that man put so much pressure on himself, um, which is unhealthy, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. a lot of the pressure he puts on himself is like things that he can't control, like people's opinions of him, where he sure. where he rests in NBA history books and mm-hmm. he, these arbitrary rankings. You can tell that stuff gets to him. And I can tell it so much because I used to kind of be like that, just like in life and stuff yeah. and like other people's like opinions of me within our business and where they put him. It's like, none of that shit is in your control, bro. Just do what you can control, work hard. Mm -hmm. And all this shit will like, you know, will fall into place. So I can just see it in clay. So I know that just 54 was like, it was a big fuck you to people. He wouldn't go out and (laughs) say that. But you just just knew it. Um, So I was really happy for him after that night. And they got the win. And like, scoring 54 points is hard, bro. That's crazy. Like, he scored 54. <laughs> like, the guy just, like, tours ACL, tours Achilles. Like, that's a big deal. So and he put up numbers that, like, 90% of the league will never sniff. Right? Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. So that's my high moment because it was nice for for uh, Clay. Then the low was probably just uh, collectively um, – some of the like the collective like 30 20 to 30 point losses like there was like four or five 30 point losses this year i feel like and like at what point 
do you guys have some pride? Like, mm-hmm. I know some people look at it as like, oh, it doesn't matter if it's one point or 30 points, but I look at it the other way. It's like, like, come on, man. Even at one point against Phoenix, it's like, you guys aren't even, you guys have your guys and you're losing to the Phoenix G League team, basically. It was like seven mm-hmm. of them. And it was just pathetic, you know? That's why I wouldn't give Steve, like, that's why I kind of ding Steve on a grade. If I were to give him a grade, it'd be a C too. Yeah. Because it's just like sometimes it, it looks like they're completely disinterested, and that's just not it's not a good look at all. No, no, it is not a good look uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'll give you guys best and worst. Best for me, Boston win. I mean that that Clay performance, man. Come on, if if I was, if that was like a, a movie and I was a network executive and they brought it to me. And as you know, he got over these two injuries and then he puts up 54 points. I was like, this is a little heavy handed, you know? So that, right. that game was incredible. The Boston win and what it signified was my highest moment. The worst moment, I'll give you two. One was on the floor. One was personal on the floor. I don't know why it hit me in the way it did, but Sadiq Bay's fucking three pointer. And then him screaming at the fan base. <laughs> like that just, it just, it just drove me crazy, man. I don't know. Like the fact that it went in was one thing. And then watching him scream the way he did keep me in a real ugly place. So that was my worst one on the floor. Uh, funny thing about that. I uh, looked, I got a DM request the other day after the Suns game. And it was just some random person. And it was like, they said like, and they like seem so dead serious. They're like, excuse me, can you stop interviewing the opposing team before our game? Because you just recently interviewed Damian Lee and Sadiq Bay, and they fucking killed us. You that? You're filling them with confidence, bro. You got to knock them down. Like, 100% I, I, I right. didn't even, I didn't even acknowledge that the DM is still sitting. That's so it? funny, man. It was just funny about Sadiq and, and Damian Lee. Yeah. Well, I was upset that you didn't acknowledge my DM. The, I mean, we know each other. The least you could have done is say something. Here's my worst moment off the floor. So I went to that Phoenix game and it was nasty and I take it super hard and I was really pissy, but then my pissiness followed me afterwards. So a little bit of detail to uh, explain it. When I go, cause I, I live in Oakland, I'm an East Bay kid. And I hate driving out to the city, especially for Chase Center, because it's a clusterfuck getting out of there. So my go-to move normally is I'll park downtown and either take a bike or a scooter down the Embarcadero and put that in the bike valet. And then I just take it on the way back. So the Phoenix game did exactly that. Met a friend, dropped my scooter off at uh, the bike valet, went through the game. They get their ass kicked. We leave. And now I go get my scooter and I'm walking it back to lot A where my friend is parked. And my friend's never used a scooter before. He asked me to use it. Sure. Comes back and he says, can you use it? You know, can I watch you use it? Which is weird. It's a very strange and voyeuristic request, but whatever. Fine. (laughs) So I get on the fucking scooter and I go about a half mile and I'm trying to like impress my friend. I'm going a little faster than I need to. And as I'm going up, I pass this dude is about six, five, and he's screaming at nobody in particular, seemingly very angry. And he's walking what I thought was his significant other. Who knows? pass him off I go I try to do this little turn and I bite ass I fucking fall don't get hurt but you know I fall and it's embarrassing enough and so I'm picking myself up and I have an embarrassed smile on my face I'm not sure what else to do and I go up and I find myself making eye contact with the six five angry gentleman and his first question is what the fuck are you laughing at 
So I thought for sure, gentlemen, I was going to get my ass kicked at that moment. And that, I mean, I almost hopped on my scooter and like drove away as fast as I fucking could. That's my lowest moment. There it was. Right when I thought the fucking Phoenix thing couldn't have been uglier. Um, I'm, you know, facing my mortality on a goddamn electric scooter. So, you know, there you go, dude. I, uh, I hit rock bottom. Good fucking times. That is pretty funny. I thought you were going to say when you missed all those fucking free throws. You shut up. You shut up. You motherfucker. That did not happen. By I the need way, that video still. The, yeah, that guy. The, the turns out that that video is still out there and the guy could ultimately email it. Hopefully it'll never. Oh, happen. yes. Uh, Marcus, let's let's switch. Oh, unless there's a burning bad moment that's going through you, because I know I'm already keeping these boys long. My next question is going to be if you could sit down with the team, you know, let's say that that. They recognize these guys need a players only meeting, but you're allowed to attend and you can give them one piece of advice as they finish out the season. What would that advice be? um, Stay off Twitter, man. Don't even look. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Protect Steph. Um, Probably just to that. You have to play every game now like it's a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I think when we're locked in, we show the team that we can be. Like my high point was the Memphis game um, because we didn't have Steph. They had their full complement of teams, and they talk all the trash they do, and we still beat them handily um, on a big stage in a big moment on Christmas Day. And, you know, we've seen that with the Boston game, the Memphis game. When we're locked in, we – you know, play up to our potential. I think we just get lackadaisical and, you know, like the silly turnovers because we're not focused are just so frustrating. I would tell them, you know, like we're, we're now at the stage of this season and our record mandates that we have to play every game like they mean something. I like that. Eric, same question. It's shit that they know already for sure. But I would say take a look around at the locker room and look at Steph and Clay and Draymond and Looney and these guys that have pieced it together, you're sitting next to arguably one of the best lines that's ever played in this league. And don't take that for granted. Like show up every day to make the most of that opportunity. Cause when your whole career is done, if you get traded or moved or play for other teams or whatever, like you may look back and be like, man, I cannot believe I shared the locker room with the greats that have accomplished so much in this time. Uh, I would say, yeah, don't take don't take it for granted and make the most of that opportunity and do everything you can to win within your power to because those guys will carry you if you do your if you do your piece. Like you can't ask for more than that. You really can't. I like it's that. the best situation. How about you, Jack? He's gonna give us that, that Draymond <laughs> yeah. meme where he's like, What? <laughs> <laughs> what what advice would you give him, Jason? You could tell him anything. Uh a great question what advice would i give i like to stay off twitter but uh really just what what advice can i give that guy <laughs> um keep doing what you're doing honestly keep, we're talking about steph right anyone no the, the whole team you sit, you sit down with everybody what would you tell them it's tough because it's like i wouldn't tell them anything i I would just go in there and play John Moran's soundbite on loop. I like that. We're only worried about our, our about who are they only? They're only worried the about Boston 
Only worried about Boston and Milwaukee? Nah, we're good in the West. We're good in the West. But, like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, the way I look at it is, like, the way I look at it is, like, I am completely – I have no level of concern with this team. I think they'll make a trade, and I think uh, they'll just tighten up, and I think that's all they need to do. Like, there's nothing I need to tell them. What can I tell Draymond Green's Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, Steph Curry, and Steve Kerr? No. If when it's winning time, they don't lose in the West. Yeah. They never have. When they're healthy, no one has beat them. No one. And I'm the type, I don't like to lose my money, so I'm never going to bet against something that's been a sure thing for like a decade, mm-hmm. damn near, yep. until I learned my lesson and, and learned the hard way. So I wouldn't say nothing. I would just – Get a couple of motivational clips together because you know they they love to shut people up. I love the John Morant take and I love the transition you've just given me because it's our final question. And here it is. All right, Jay, you take it first. Yeah. So you have to bet something significant to you. A rent payment, a mortgage payment, something big, a large figure, and you have to bet it on one of these two things. Either the Warriors lose in the first round or the Warriors make it to the NBA finals. Which way would you bet? I bet my mortgage is a pretty penny in this damn city on the Warriors uh, going to the NBA Finals. Let's go. Um, Eric, same question. Yeah, most valuable thing to me as a, a father of two young kids is my free time. So I'm going to. I thought going to save my kids. <laughs> yeah, give up my kids. No, I'm going to give up. I'm going to wager like six hours of collective free time, which will take me a week to accumulate. It's huge. Uh, and the, the dubs are going to the NBA Finals. On the on that on that bet, Marcus, same thing. Yeah, I'm I'm going NBA Finals and I'm paying my mortgage on time. Yeah, I I do this did the same thing. I mean, you know, the what's the definition of insanity, right? I mean, seeing the same thing unfold and then assuming something else is going to happen, and this team has not yet been beaten healthy. Although, so I'll I'll round this back. I'll pull a Marcus and go back a question. Um, If I was giving advice. I don't know how to communicate it, but it would be, we need urgency and we need it now because it's not that this team wins when it's healthy. It's that this team wins when it is urgent and healthy, when they realize like we need it and then they show up and and they tend to dominate. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing that as we go forward here and assuming they can, where would my money be? It'd be on the finals. I I think that's Mm -hmm. exactly right. Uh, All right, boys, I wasn't going to ask this, but I will give me a finals preview. If you had to, uh, Bet on who is going to be in this year's NBA Finals. What's the matchup? That's tough. It's so wide open on, like, on the East, you can make a case for Brooklyn. You can make a case for Boston. You can make a case for Milwaukee. And you can make a case for Philadelphia, in my opinion. I'm going to go safe. Uh, Safe is Boston, Golden State, a rematch, but I something's telling me if Brooklyn gets healthy, they have a bunch of talented guys, and they have, also have a bunch of guys who like have a lot to prove. Like yep. Kevin Durant doesn't have a lot to prove per se, but he has a lot of people to tell them. Like, <laughs> and I think if Kevin Durant gets, I, I think Brooklyn can be very intriguing if they get healthy and going. I mean, they've been mowing down people in the East when they're healthy. Hopefully KD gets back. He's going to be out about four to six weeks. Um, but then again, they have Ben Simmons, and in the playoffs, you can phase him out of a game completely. So I'm going to go with the safe bet and keep it 
I think Chris Middleton hasn't been the same since his injury. And if Chris Middleton mm-hmm. isn't vintage Chris Middleton, I don't know if Milwaukee can beat Boston. Yep. So Boston, Golden State. I'll go ditto for uh, sake of brevity. Eric, who do you got? I, I think it's going to be a rematch as well. Uh, Jay made a, an interesting comment there saying that Kevin Durant doesn't have anything to prove. I personally believe that. I think if Kevin Durant was being interviewed, he would say that. But I don't know that he believes that. Does that make sense? Of course it does. No, I get it. Yeah, of course it does. Um, well, he's been backed into a fucking corner. I mean, ever like the, the, yeah. if he's reading any news, you know, like nobody believes that. In the beginning of this year, everybody thought yeah. they were going to fade into obscurity. We didn't even think Brooklyn was a fucking playoff team for a minute there, you know, and now he's an MVP candidate. Yeah. I think that the likelihood of Kyrie doing something weird, it's been a little while since he's done something weird. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> something's something's going to happen. He'll find something that he feels strongly about and blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be Boston, Boston, Golden State. MT, you've been saying this longer than any of us. You still think the same? Yeah, clean sweep. Um, I think it's a hey. I think uh, Jason hit it on the head. The, um, the fact that Middleton not being back to his old self is going to be what prohibits them from beating Boston. I think in a seven-game playoff series, Boston locks down in their addition of Brogdon just – puts them over the top. Um, and then I think it's a, it's a dog fight. I don't think we went as we did last, last series. It goes seven and it's anybody's series. What I think is really interesting about the idea of a rematch, obviously we've got a different roster than they did last year, but a few of the pieces that were difference makers was Wiggins with his defense against, against Tatum. And Andre spoke about it. So one of the things that I think is the most interesting thing, let's plug a couple more podcasts. The Draymond Green show and point forward is that we're getting this insight in real time during finals after games where people's without tipping their hands too much. Like you're actually hearing what players are thinking about these matchups. And Andre, I believe, said he had a sit down dinner with Evan Turner at one point during the finals after like game three or four. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's a wrap. He's like, we got it figured out. Like we're down a game, but like we will win out. Like we, we know what they're going to do. And we know how to beat it. I'm telling you. And then he went on to say, like, you can't say that to someone like Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins. who It's like their first time to the dance. Like the, that pressure that you give to someone like could change how they play. But he went on to say, like, oh, no, if you talk to Clay, if you talk to Steph, both of them are like, oh, yeah, no, it, it's over. Like they, they can't beat us. Like we know the formula. So my question is, we've changed a lot by we. I remind myself I'm not on the team. The Warriors have changed a lot. Boston hasn't changed that much. So if we face them again, <laughs> do we not have it figured out because we don't have the pieces? But when you look at who actually played on a limited rotation, like why wouldn't we just walk in and be like, okay, we already fucking know how to beat these guys. Like, yep. are they doing anything differently? Like, oh, that they'll, have that, they'll, they'll have that mental edge for sure. Yeah. Like at, the Celtics were never the same after game four. Never the same just – Mentally, yeah. physically, I'm telling you, once Steph conquered that mountain and shut up those people after game four, like, yeah. Steph, they, they will go in there with the utmost confidence. And that is, like, basketball is so much about confidence. When you, mm-hmm. like, just know you're going to win, you know you can beat this team, and you just, like, kind of have that feeling, that's what – that has almost made been what has made the Warriors so successful outside of their personnel and Steph Curry. 
It's just like they beat you mentally. Like they, there's just something about that you just can't beat them. Like some of those, those, some of those Houston Rockets series, the Rockets had no business losing, none. Yep. But it was just the mental edge. I, mean, I watched with a Rockets fan. I'll never forget it. It was, it was the year Golden State ultimately lost to the Raptors. I watched the clinching game. Uh, in that rap in the Rocket series, that postseason run, and I just saw this Rockets fan, and he had been watching that series for so long over the years. There was just like this one three minute stretch, and he looked at me. He was like, "It's over." It's over. It, was, it was like the second quarter, yeah. like the second the, quarter. They can't like, keep getting away with this. <laughs> I've seen it before. Like they just hit three three straight shots. They're still down six, but they're like over on the sideline laughing. They're so loose. Like it's done. It's over. He's like, can we please turn the channel? It's real, man. It's real. I wish I could yeah, have seen it. Yeah. Like that guy. When Clay we went we unconscious for 37 in the quarter, there's just some moments in a basketball player's life or in within the game when you've got that swagger and that confidence, you're like, oh, I, I can't miss. I just can't miss. Yeah. You know? I know. Bram could have used that with those free throws and chasing him. That's a different story. <laughs> Thank God. Um, keep going back. I mean, I was just wondering how Marcus would drag us backwards. So yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say we were. I mean, we were playing well enough in the Boston series last last year. We were. If Al Horford and Derek White didn't have a career fourth quarter in mm-hmm. Game One, it would have been a gentleman sweep. So mm-hmm. you know, like I think the series wasn't as close as it looked, um, you know, to a lot of fans and we figured it out. I mean, even after the the loss, um, you know, like CJ McCullum is talking to Draymond and he's like, ah, oh, I'm sorry. You know, like I got to pick Boston. I think they're going to beat you. And his response after a loss was that them boys are going to be ringless just like you. Yeah, of course. And you were yeah, like, and Damn. You know, like, shots he was cold. But, yeah. but, but gentlemen, why are we looking at last year? Look at this year. If we're looking for a mental advantage, Boston is on a fuck you tour this year. Jason Tatum is on a fuck you MVP tour. They showed the world that they don't care about the, the loss of their coach. You know what the exception to that was? You know when they were not on a fuck you tour? When they came here and they looked afraid. You know, I mean, there's like, there's, we saw it. We've seen it. Does that mean it's definitely going to happen? No. But does it mean that Boston's capable of being mentally intimidated? Of course it does. We fucking watched it. I forget what podcast I was listening to. They had this, this real, oh, oh it was the Warriors huddle. The Warriors huddle, you motherfuckers. And they had <laughs> an amazing analysis for that. Boys, I really appreciate your time i really love having you on this show i am positive i'm not alone jay let's start with you for people who need way more jason dumas in their life where do they turn uh instagram twitter jay dumas reports most of my content goes there and then of course if you have a tv or a smartphone download the cron on app we're all on channel four sunday through thursday like five different times a night so you'll you'll catch me doing the sports cast and posting shows just building up the confidence of opposing players left and right we know your style jay how about you eric for people who need far more eric jet in their life where do they go apparently here on warriors huddle intermittently this is where you can find me not the point Uh, forward podcast remember that you bastard yeah come find us on uh join our reddit community reddit.com slash r slash warriors we're just about to crack 500,000 subscribers in the community there. Uh, all the spiciest memes and bogus takes. Um, and you can find uh, me on Twitter at GSW Reddit, which is our, our, our community's representation. 
um, in the Twitter space, and that's uh, managed by me. Yep. If you are looking for more of us, you can find me crashing scooters at Chase Center or missing free throws pretty much all over the floor. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. Our only account there is on Twitter. That's at Warriors Huddle. Uh, with that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.